Welcome to 355's Chanel at the Opera. I am Virginie Mouza, journalist and writer, and today I will be your host for the new podcast series. For the second year, the House of Chanel is the patron of the new season's gala opening night of the National Opera of Paris, celebrating its very strong relationship with the ballet world. Its founder, Gabrielle Chanel herself, was in her time a very active support of the Parisian avant-garde artistic scene. During these interviews, we are going to talk with some of the most brilliant creative people in the ballet and opera field, stage directors, choreographers, ballet dancers, opera singers. Together, we'll speak about the Garnier Opera House, of course, but also with each of them about their relationship with their art, their creativity, their achievement. Creativity. First, let me describe where we are. We are in the Grand Foyer of l'Opéra de Paris with its typical décor, Napoléon III. We are surrounded by gilded bronze and sculptures. The ceiling is probably 20 meters high. It's quite impressive. Now I want to speak about my guest. He's a photographer and an architect. He's Japanese, one of the most renowned signatures of contemporary photography. The meditative mood of his work is unique. With his famous seascapes, this legendary artist could be nicknamed the Rothko of photography. His vision upon nature is like a prayer. His art foundation, built in Odawara in Japan, looks like a modern temple made of stone and glass between the sea and the sky. This season, for the very first time, is directing a ballet. Bonjour, Mr. Hiroshi Sugimoto. Thank you very much. As I said, you're an architect. What do you think of this place? Wow, this is so impressive and gorgeous. And, well, we cannot create this anymore. The past of the history used to be very rich. Now we're in a modernist state and, well, we learned a lot from this decorative period. But uh, it's still... I would love to know more about this collaboration with the Paris Opera. Mm -hmm. It's the first one. Yes. You worked with Alessio Silvestrin, who mm -hmm. used to work with William Forsythe. Right. For a unique new creation mm -hmm. for the dancers of the company at the Oakswell, inspired by Yeats. Yes. Can you tell us more? You know, this was a, it's quite a surprise that I was offered to... Uh, will produce my piece, especially in the dance and ballet. I never expected to do this. Uh, I never think about it. But uh, it was uh, about five years ago. I was in Paris and presenting my uh, Japanese traditional theater called uh, Sugimoto Bunraku. It's an 18th century puppet theater. The opening night, Benjamin Mupier came with his uh, wife, Natalie Portman, to, to saw my uh, puppet show. And then uh, Benjamin was so Im impressed, and the next day he came to my uh, stage door and then just asked me, oh. he said, I'm so impressed. I want to do something together with you. And how about uh, Paris Opera Garnier? It must be a, a ballet piece. 
I was hesitated because I, I didn't know anything about uh, Paris Opera Ballet. So, but uh, after four while thinking about it, I thought I can do something, <laughs> something new. <laughs> so that's how it started. As I said, you're both photographer and architect. Yes. Is ballet the perfect occasion to gather photography and architecture? Well, I am more and more into the performing art, actually, besides photography and architecture. Because uh, architecture and photography is very, very still. You know, once you finished it, it stays for, for a while. Not forever, but uh, performing art is always, every show is different. It just happens and disappeared. It's very momentary. So that's what I like. So started as uh, uh, the producer of the no Japanese play and then also the puppet theater. So I'm more and more into the performing art. So I thought this Paris Opera dance and ballet can be one addition of my performing art uh, experience. So we're speaking about Japan, we're speaking about Paris, because this is where we are. Yes. Can you tell us what is the relationship, your relationship, mm -hmm. with European mm -hmm. ballet? This is why I came up to the idea, what should I play, uh, present here, the Paris Opera. And then I once experienced to uh, organize the Japanese no play translated to from the WB Yates play called at the Hoaxwell. And this piece retranslated to a Japanese uh, uh, no play because Yates first received the English text of the Japanese no play, which is very spiritual. And then usually the stay on the stage, the dead spirits call back on the stage and that states some kind of message on the stage. This is very similar to uh, Celtic mythology that uh, W.B. Yeats was grown. So uh, I thought this can be re-prayed, not like the Yeats time, but as a contemporary pray and influenced by Japanese no spirits. And can be replayed here at the Paris Opera Garnier. It might be a wonderful idea. That was my intention and intuition I received when I get this commission. Can you tell us when was the first time you discovered European ballet? Was it here in Opera Garnier? Well, I've been seeing several times opera, opera here and also the dance pieces here, but as just an audience, uh, maybe three, four times before. But and when, when, never. when was the very first time? Do you remember? Very first time, probably maybe 20 years ago. 20 years yes. ago. What was your reaction? <laughs> I don't remember what, what the piece was even, but uh, I paid more attention to the architectural details. <laughs> <laughs> like today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you were speaking about the no mm -hmm. theater. Yes. The no theater, the notion of time is very mm -hmm. important. Yes. The notion of time, the past, what mm -hmm. will remain from the past, mm -hmm. is an obsessive question in your work. Yes. Does ballet have anything to do with this question, European ballet? Especially, yes. Uh, That's why I, I picked up this uh, W.B. Yeats piece, because the, this piece was written 100 years ago. And then first played 
in London, uh, 1916, and then uh, retranslated to Japanese, transferred to Japanese snow, and it was played before World War II. And then, uh, since then, this piece became very popular in Japan, and several times after the war, including my presentation, was 2006 in Tokyo at the Mori Museum as a part of my museum show. The time-wise, now I'm bringing this back, reorganized to be fitted to a Paris Opera Garnier. So it's been uh, taken 100 years from uh, Yates' time to be back in Japan and then send it back to Paris. So it's very interesting. It's around the world spending 100 years. It's a very long journey. Yes. Dance is probably one of the most archaic way of expression. Mm -hmm. It dates back to archaeology, to antiquity, right. and beyond. Mm -hmm. Does it give you the feeling you're traveling through time when you're working on ballet? Yes, yes. I think uh, the very beginning of a civilization Probably it comes with a dance and pray. So this is the earliest form of the art. Of course, the painting, the poems, those things, and then also the dancing, especially like a divine dance, like a dance to serve for the, the spirits. This is a history of human civilization. So I am really interested in the like a Neolithic time or even before the early stage of human being, mind, spirituality. So, but the dance is the best uh, medium. Speaking about spirit, mm -hmm. you say that you have the feeling that French people are very pessimistic, <laughs> down, <laughs> melancholic. <laughs> is it true with artists, with French artists? Well, your pessimism is a part of it, but uh, also romanticism yes, this is before uh, like a hundred years before that's that's very very artistic people I think uh, very different from other European nations and then some uh, somehow it's shared with the Japanese uh, spirituality as well Japanese is also melancholic and pessimistic and romantic in a way good it's a good match <laughs> <laughs> You said one needs to experience different things in life mm -hmm. before choosing to be an artist. Mm -hmm. At what age did you see yourself, did you call yourself an artist? I don't know when, probably I decided to become an artist when I came to the United States at the age of 20. I probably came to New York in uh, 1974. What happened? Um, I saw uh, gallery scenes, and that time kind of uh, minimalism, conceptualism was taking place. And then I, I was a very good photographer at that time, but I thought that the only way to, to make myself is to become a commercial photographer. I tried to be a commercial photographer even as a fashion photographer, but uh, I didn't like it. And I saw... Uh, Donald Judd show and then Dan Flavin show as a minimalist uh, contemporary art show. And then I was so impressed. I decided to be a contemporary artist using a photography. So I uh, gave up 
to become a photographer, but instead I decided to be a contemporary artist using a photography. In which country you had the feeling your art is mm -hmm. better experienced? Well, American paid for me, and then Japanese gave me a spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a photographer, you're an architect, and uh -huh. you're an artist working mm -hmm. on sculptures as yes. well. Mm -hmm. Does that mean photography is too limited? Do you need the three dimension? Well, I, I never think of myself which profession is my profession. And then especially photography, I am very, very uh, out-of-dated photographer, like uh, old-fashioned photography, like a 19th century. I don't use a digital camera for my art. So as a photographer, I'm the last surviving 19th century style, non-digital photographer. And I only have a one-year supply of film. I only have a year and a half supply of paper. So... So well, uh, what will you do then? Then I just stop. I cannot make it anymore. Or I, I have to make my own film by myself, like a 19th century photographer. That's fine. But uh, I'm at the age of 71, and I have so many other things to do. Or I never think of myself becoming an architect, but uh, people started asking me to design the space. So uh, I never have intention to be an architect, but the people made me as an architect. And the same as here. I never produced the ballet piece. But uh, theater asked me to do it. I never say no to the people's request. So you were saying you have a limited supply of film mm -hmm. and paper. Yes. So the question is, it's all about time and transmission. Mm -hmm. Are you teaching to students? What about your legacy? Legacy-wise, I decided to build my own foundation in in Japan, which is called Odawara Art Foundation. I never received the uh, accepted the teaching position. I hate to teach because I don't know how to teach. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I can teach maybe, but uh, my technique is out of date. There's no need to teach. Nobody can copy me. So uh, I usually said when I received the offer of teaching position, I'd rather be a zoo trainer. A zoo trainer. <laughs> With which animal? <laughs> <laughs> Human being as an animal, this is the worst animal <laughs> to teach. <laughs> you said the end of humankind stands within my, within my photography. Mm -hmm. Could you explain that to us? What does that mean? The end of humankind the stands human. within my photography. So I'm trying to record whatever happened in the planet of us. So the, I am very concerned and also interested in the history of human being. How only the human became so dominated to this, at the surface of planet Earth. That is a question. What's the difference between animal state and human state? Human, human has, a, has a consciousness. Human gained the mind. What is this interesting thing called mind? That's, this is my lifetime searching the issues so and then using my photography and using my camera I can travel back walking as a time machine I can make myself to trip to the Neolithic time and to, to search how human gained the consciousness 
This is the issue for the My Seascape series. Maybe the early man, the Neolithic time man, we can share the same vision as a modern person. What can we share the same vision with ancient time people? This can be a seascape. Land, we changed it. Land, we, we have the civilization called. Civilization means change the land, cut the tree. And so this is a seascape. So if we speak about timeless things in the universe, mm -hmm. like seascape, mm -hmm. can we speak about beauty? Mm -hmm. Because you said enough with creating beauty. Mm -hmm. What is behind this statement? According to you, what is the difference between beauty and non-beauty? Well, the beauty is only be seen by human, but uh, probably for the nature. Probably without human must be the most beautiful scene. So that's why I just want to be myself. The first human appears on the planet Earth and then looking at the sea. This must be the most beautiful scene and most beautiful time. Then since then we, we are grown too much, I think. Do you think we are destroying beauty? We are destroying ourselves, maybe. We are destroying the, even the sea. Uh, seascapes, I started from 1980, almost 50 years ago. Oh, no, 40 years ago. And then now it's more and more difficult to even take a picture of the seascapes. I have to go away from the civilization and uh, I was able to see the sea without human, sea without the boat, and it is getting very difficult. Every, everywhere I go, I see a fisherman's boat. So if we speak about humans and civilization mm -hmm. being an obstacle, mm -hmm. what are the ideal conditions for your creativity? Well, I, I'm lucky that I'm old enough so that I don't have to see this end of the civilization. But uh, talking about my foundation, Odawara Art Foundation, I consider this facilities with many buildings, stone buildings, many uh, concrete buildings including I consider this as the ruins of the civilization. So even after 5,000 years from now, it may remain as a ruin. All the windows is gone, but the structure remains uh, with ivy trees. So like uh, we're looking at the pyramid or Greece, this is the same kind of thing. On a lighter note, a little mm -hmm. questionnaire. So when was the last time you danced? I danced. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? When I was young, I used to go to disco. In but Tokyo? In Tokyo. That was a long time ago. And then in New York, yes, uh, Studio 54, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> On which music do you daydream? Daydream? Well, I have uh, kind of sounds of the sea, uh, you look at my uh, presentation of Zata Foxwell. The music is composed by Ryoji Ikeda. Uh, Japanese music Japanese composer. Music, yes. And then he is very radical and very minimal. And then enter the theme of this Zata Foxwell, the wind of the, the sea blowing. 
this is very, very beautiful. And now, every morning I wake up with the sounds of wind of the sea. Who is the real or imaginary hero mm. you would love to meet? Well, it's very difficult questions, but uh, maybe the Mozart is my inspiration. Mozart? Mozart, the music. He, he, his sound sticks with me and it just takes me to somewhere out of this world. What is still to be achieved by you? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, well, this is definitely, this is one of my achievements, to present my piece here. Here at, at the opera. At the opera, of course. Last question, mm -hmm. your current state of mind today, mm -hmm. now? Well, I'm very excited, and this is tonight, is uh, the first rehearsal, through uh, the beginning to the end. First time to see myself, what I have imagined. Are you nervous? No, I'm not nervous, but I'm, I'm confident. And the, the no costume, the, the no actor arrived yesterday, so tonight I have this uh, full rehearsal. First time to be seen. Thank Excited. you. Thank <laughs> you so much, Mr. Hiroshi Sugimoto. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Creativity.